Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Overlord. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Moronsky. I would like to be known as the Thousand Year Podcaster. Oh, dang, it's inappropriate. And with an Overlord tagline, Kelly Wand. You should see how they make bratwurst. All right, they only get better, right, Kelly Wand? No, they get worse. Uh oh. What's another tagline for Overlord? Fucking kids. Very okay. I'll take that one. I don't know that we can put it on a poster. I guess it is an R-rated movie. Kelly Wand, what's something that might be more family friendly? (laughs) Oh, this one's totally family friendly. French girls no stranger to black privates. Oh. Oh, jeez. Sorry, I asked. Kelly Wand, is there a fourth Overlord tagline? No, that's when I gave up. But that was <laughs> in case you want to emphasize the rom-com elements of the movie. I see, right, right. Jeez. Well, Dingus, yeah. was this a rom-com? Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what we saw this Wait, week? Wait, I thought of a fourth one. Oh, yes, Kelly Wand. Get, Kelly Wand, do you have for me a fourth tagline for Overlord? Finally, a movie where Wyatt uh, Russell plays sports. Because he plays sports in three other movies. What's... Okay, you know what? We'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to make yeah, a note yeah. here. It's World War II's W-R- sport. <laughs> Sports. All right, Dingus. W-R? Wyatt Russell. What are spelling? Wyatt oh, Russell Wyatt. For, for taking notes, yeah. I just I use people's initials, Kelly Wong. Wait, say his name again? Wyatt Russell. Okay, you're saying it right. Oh, well, I know, no. I thought you were saying White. No, 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 no. I know his name is Wyatt, right? Yeah. And I did racial joke. Okay. Okay, cool. so hold, hold that thought because I, I want to talk about Wyatt Russell. But Dingus, first, okay, <laughs> Kelly Wand is already spoiled. This is about World War II. I've spoiled uh, a lot of things just now. Yeah, exactly. Dingus, let's back up and not spoil things and hear from you just the basics about the movie. Oh. <laughs> basics. I'm not allowed to say anything about World War II then? Well, that's out of the bag. We know now. <laughs> All right, this week we saw Overlord. <laughs> that's a spoiler? A 2018 American adventure war horror movie about what really happened before the invasion of Normandy. Don't tell me how the war ends. It's a spoiler. (laughs) Back to what you missed. Back to the basics. It was was directed by Julius Avery and written by Billy Ray. No! Oh, is that Revenant? Yeah. Billy Ray, uh, we know from – well, Billy Ray's done a lot of junk, but he did a great job with uh, with Breach, and there's something else he wrote that we really he liked. He did Captain Phillips that was that was No, fine. but there was something before Captain Phillips and after Breach that I recall really liking. When you said the word Breach, the first thing I thought of was Brie Larson, like breaching. Never mind. What? <laughs> it's yeah, a, totally what you Oh, Shattered Glass, Shattered Glass. He wrote and directed oh. before Breach, yeah. Mm. That's but Billy, tapping into the natural Hayden Christensen. Well, uh, yeah. I so mean, Billy, Billy, I like Scars. Sarsgaard. Yeah, exactly. Peter Sarsgaard is in it. I mean, they, they're. Yeah, uh, he's good. It's a little bit of like sweet and sour. You know, you got the sweet and the sour with Hayden Christensen and Peter Sarsgaard. I like it when writers write completely different things too. Like, uh, right. Bill Lancaster, uh, Bad News Bears, and The Thing, or his only two. Movies. I like. Well, I that. like that you <laughs> said Hayden Christensen's name right. How you spoke you? Hayden Christensen? No, that's Tom usually calls him Christian Haydenson. Oh, yeah, but Tom's right in a way. 
Uh, so anyway, the the uh, the revenant dude is Mark Smith. Um, but Tom's getting him mixed up with you. Because Christian. Anyway, the other writer is uh, Mark L. Smith, who is the revenant or martyr and martyrs guy. Um, uh, uh, so American. those are the two writers, Billy Ray and Mark L. Smith. What'd you Mark say? L. Smith must have done the American remake. Like I, I martyrs is uh, uh shoot. Let's do the original. Yeah. Xavier, not Xavier Gens. There's another one of those uh, French extre- new extreme directors that did Martyrs. I, I, he must have Dings. He must have written the American remake, which is yeah. Terrible. I didn't the, see the American the one remake. By, by these two dudes uh, who are both named Goots, Gitz, Gertz, Mark Gertz. <laughs> I can't say their names. Um, so that's I, who wrote I Martyrs. The American. It's, it's the it's the 2015 version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the terrible one. Yeah. You guys warned me off of it. Uh, Pascal Laurier is the guy who did. He wrote and directed the original one. But yeah, the American one. If you didn't like Overlord, then definitely you should. It makes sense that yeah, this is the writer of the American Martyrs remake. Yeah. yeah. So it stars <laughs> uh, Giovanna Depo, Wyatt Russell. Or White Russell, as Kelly calls him. Uh, Mathilde Olivier. Pilou uh, Asbeck. And Bokeem yeah. Woodbine. Huh. Uh, the names are... <laughs> uh, Overlord is rated R for strong bloody violence. Hmm. Or strong bloody violence. Bloody is a um, separate... Disturbing of... images... Hmm. No, I wish. Language. Well, there's language in this movie. Yeah, there's some language in it. Brief sexual content. What? All right. Uh, probably. Well, uh, you know. Hello, Esbeck. Yeah, like head. he's a he's a rapist officer. Rapist officers. Yeah, but that he doesn't get. Right. It, that's why it's brief. I mean, yeah, it, it it's looks brief. It's and, so, that, okay. You know he kisses her. He kisses her on the neck, Kelly Wan. That's sexual. You wouldn't kiss me or Dingus on the her neck. On the neck. He kisses her elsewhere as well. She pulls away, in which case the rating goes down. The, the less far he gets, the more. But I think Dingus is reminding us. I'd I'd put that out of my mind. Dingus is reminding us. Yeah, that it was. It got a little more sexual than the neck. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, uh, Kelly Wan. Is there anything that the rating needs in addition to those four things that Dingus mentioned? I give it a PG because it got as sexual as the neck. Uh, some German language, improper use of science, uh, some history, uh, fun for all ages. <laughs> uh, Overlord got a B on Cinema Score, which is not. Oh, ouch! Low my my condolences, Overlord. Yeah, that's low for Cinema it goes Score. Goes to B. <laughs> uh, Metacritic, it got a 60 on the average rating of, from various reviews, scale from one to 100. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, however, 80% of the reviews were positive. It just from Metacritic, we can see they weren't necessarily very positive. Uh, it came in number three on its opening weekend. It made $10 million. It didn't do as well as The Grinch and Bohemian Rhapsody on its opening uh. weekend. It couldn't beat those two. Kelly Wand, now this script that Billy Ray and Mark L. Smith wrote, why don't you recount some of the things that happen in this script sort of with your own perspective? Maybe give us a, oh, say, a synopsis of this movie. <laughs> You had to pause to think of the word synopsis. Kelly Wand, I was... Gotcha! Yeah. What? 
Oh, you were what? Sorry. I, I, I was acting like this was all impromptu, like we didn't know in advance that it was coming. No, I'm but I thought you were going to try and guess what the opposite is. I guess, part. Kelly Wand, if I was to expect such a thing from you, I would expect it to be called the Ovropsis Lordopsis. I doubt you would really think that <laughs> if your life depended on it. I, I, I did just come up with would it. Think more like mine. Because <laughs> that's how mine thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, you were right, though. What was it? The Ovropsis Lordopsis. So you just added, all right. Yeah, what Tom said. Overlopsis or opsis? Whatever you said? Close enough. Overlopsis. Overlopsis. A word's all, Germany. The Germans around me murmur and clap excitedly. <laughs> so fun to watch these movies with them. I love it. Wonder Woman. Yeah, no. The other. The same group of them coming to the movies with you every single time. I know. They think it's hilarious. They really get into it. They're like, ha, yeah, master race. A word's all sea day? A bunch of CG bombers fly around to watch Wyatt Russell and his ethnic friends get ready to parachute. (laughs) Wyatt, who's like a surfer Ben Foster, is all... <laughs> he doesn't change his hair for any role. So I kind of like it. It's like an anti-De Niro. Same accent. It says well a lot. Wyatt, who's like a surfer Ben Foster, is all... Okay, guys, by the way, our mission's to blow up a radio tower so Gerard can guide the submarine in. (laughs) Rose. (laughs) The Italian guy of the bunch is all, ah, fuck out of here. Adorable guy takes a picture of him. (laughs) Sounds like the perfect title for my new book. A Jewish guy's all. That's right, bitches. Gosling can play Jewish. Gosling can play jazz. Replicates, astrologers. Eyes a bunch. You name it. And this year, I better not lose best picture to those people. He notices a black guy sitting next to him. Uh... Wait, weren't we segregated World War II to teach those racist Germans a lesson? <laughs> JJ walks in from the cockpit and goes, Yeah, but like Michael Bay, I decided to take a couple liberties so that people can watch this with their families. Now please enjoy these dismemberments and attempted rapes. He walks off. Oh. <laughs> I upset. The black guy's head shakes a little as he recalls Tom Hanks' performance in the terminal. <laughs> what? I don't know. Seems anachronistic to me, but I'm not black, Dingus. I only have to, I have to guess. Gosling squeezes his nose consolingly. Don't worry, black character. More people die in planes than boats, except during war. Comical Italians all, eh, and spits gum on the Gosling's cheek. The writer takes a picture of the cheek. He's all, yeah, it's going to be a picture book, by the way. That's why you never see me write anything. Uh, The black man misunderstands and drops a chain on the floor. 
Italian guy picks it up. <laughs> hey, yo, what's distinctly object over here? <laughs> Can you give me my random chain back, please? You're just going to wish you was gum once those jammies are around. Another black guy, but bald's all. Almost forgot. Does anyone here understand why we're fighting World War II? Finally, the Italians all. Eh, Nazis are rotten sons of bitches. And those ain't the kind of sons of bitches I approve of. And we all know what Nazis are going to do to someone whose last name is Gus Liebowitz. <laughs> Suddenly, the plane catches fire and it gets shot at by the other Allied bombers. I like how One, your, accent, your accent drained out of that. I know, it's too much work. One guy's all... Hey guys, check it out. Bullet hole, he explodes. Everybody screams incoherently at each other and catches fire or jumps out while Nicolas Cage wanders down the cabin going, Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes that have to depend on an audience having seen knowing those are the best truths. The black guy jumps out and falls upside down while CG yells at him and explodes. Then he's all, oh yeah, and opens his parachute. He tricks the land by landing in some water. His parachute tries to trick his lungs, so the black guy gives up and tries to stab himself in the mouth. Misses and winds up in some woods. Oh, God, I'm dumb. Wyatt giggles and tackles him. Then... <laughs> Then from a nearby clearing, he hears the bald black guy go, Any of you krauts got a cigarette? Hidden in the bushes, the black guy's all, Yeah, I got a pack of Virginia slibs, but Wyatt suddenly hates him and covers his mouth. They make so much noise, the Germans shoot the other black guy just to drown <laughs> them out. Then they walk off without searching the nearby woods for southern survivors. Surviving black guy's all, What the fuck, sir? We just let Captain Baldtuff die. He was dead the second he got seventh billing in a war movie about four soldiers. <laughs> they effortlessly meet up with their buddies and walk around in the dark. The normal guy's all... <laughs> the normal guy's all... By the way, I used to write cookbooks for my church. Yeah. <laughs> Another guy's all... Really? I sure hope I get my own chapter. He explodes. Wyatt's all, will you guys quit fucking around? <laughs> Here, walk where I walk. I'm immune to landmines. They wander around till they find an eyeball on a brown grocery bag. They shine flashlights on it. Gosling tastes it and goes, yep, that's a jackal's. Anybody see Omen 2? They ignore him and keep walking. They find a French girl and chase her around. <laughs> Finally, the black guy tells her in Hawaiian to, quote, lead the way. So she likes them. They walk into town where the girl trips over a cobblestone. A window opens. An old lady leans out and goes, what did I say about tripping? She blows a dog whistle that brings Nazis. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Nazis get a little rapey with the girl, but then their captain shows up, who's even rapier. Then they all walk off screen. 
The girl leads our heroes to a barn. Yeah, you will be safe here, except from the animals. She storms off, swearing in French. The black guy's all, sweet. Now we live in a barn. Dibs on haystack. The Italian guy's all, eh. Gosling's all, uh, oi vey, my bar mitzvah's tomorrow. Um, Azatov. Wyatt's all, look, our mission's to blow up that radio tower. <laughs> Otherwise, D-Day will be forever remembered as a horrific quagmire. The black guy's all, I thought we lost our whole Air Force in the opening sequence. The rioters all, wait, Kelly said we're in Germany, and he's not easily confused. The black guy's all, by the way, I'll do whatever I have to. Gosling's all, you, you couldn't kill a mouse. You set one loose in a field. And morally, a mouse is as bad as a Nazi. Outside, the Nazis shoot a girl, so Wyatt and his men move into the French girl's house. There, the girl's pet kid says stuff to them. <laughs> the Italian's all, huh? Pops and clicks. I don't understand what you're saying. Eh. The black guy gets bored and hears Wheezy breathing. So he grins excitedly and goes down a dark hallway. He finds a lady with CG face and gets scared. The French girl walks up and shows him how to shut a door. <laughs> he has too good a heart. He's all, what happened to her? Jesus. She's all, ask the Germans. He's all, well... <laughs> she notices his arm is dirty so he she washes it <laughs> I went to London to be a vegetarian then everything changed suddenly the Nazi captain comes to visit so the soldiers all put lampshades on their heads crouch in plain view or pretend to be statues <laughs> they get Fräulein by the way I just shot the girl for the crime of having sex with me <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, thundering, if you'd like to have sex. <laughs> it smells like Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn in here. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Probably smells good. Well, I don't know. Suddenly, Gosling farts, knocking over a bunch of pots. What was that? Eins, zwei. Wake up to the get in here and see. His friends come in and look around suspiciously, tripping over Gosling. Suddenly, a baseball gets scared and falls down some stairs. <laughs> the Nazis all gasp, then laugh. The kid waters into view at the top of the stairs, then throws a second baseball at them poorly. Then he realizes he actually wants the ball, so he raises his catcher's mitt expectantly. <sighs> One Nazi helpfully cleans the ball and throws it back. <laughs> Smashes through a window. All the Nazis get bored and leave, except for the captain. <laughs> Who leads into the girl's ear and whispers, I said, hey, are you sauerkraut down there? He tries to kiss her, but she's not into it. So he tries to get her in the mood by slamming her around and yelling. <laughs> Suddenly, the black guy tricks him by putting a gun to his head. The French girl's all, what are you doing? I'm starting to like him. <laughs> the Nazi captain chuckles. You Americans and your code of decency. Wyatt punches him for saying that, then goes, Nice lighter! Steals it and headbutts him. The black guy gets bored and leaves. He wanders around and watches a Nazi scientist and his friends flamethrow a chain-link fence. Then some dogs chase him, so he sees a guy with a hole in his face and strolls into some brick hallways. Suddenly... 
can't remember why that happened. <laughs> Suddenly, here's a person asking for help in a cell, so he giggles and hides. Sidus comes in with his guard friends. He opens a slot at the cell door and goes, Hello, how are we doing today, Mrs. Schadenfreude? As the thing in the cell screams, the scientist writes notes on his clipboard. Ah, yeah. Ow. Oh. Grunt noise. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he fills the whole clipboard, so he leaves. The black guy goes and peeks through the door, like he did the other door, till some CG jump scares him like last time. Finally, he gets hungry, <laughs> so he finds the kitchen and finds some pots of soup boiling. Grabbing a fork, he unzips a squirming hefty bag. A guy in a chef's hat and scuba mask pokes his head out, <laughs> spits out a tube and goes, Why are you bothering me? <laughs> the black guy loses interest, so he keeps wandering around till he finds a moaning French woman's head on a stick. <laughs> then he finds Gosling tied to a table with a scuba mask on his face and an oven thermometer spike jammed into his pancreas. black guy's all, Gosling, what are you doing here? I was looking for the soup kitchen, then I fell on this thermometer. <laughs> Suddenly, the scientist comes in, trips over Gosling and the black guy, then goes over to a guy in a steel tray and injects him in the chest. The guy convulses, so they carry him and his tray off screen. <laughs> Hang on, Goss. I'm gonna get you out of here. Why? Also, the French girl's my love interest, right? I can't get a straight answer out of JJ. By response, the black guy carries him around till he finds a sewer grating. He kicks it open loudly while some nearby Nazis watch, then drags Gosling through some tunnel seat <laughs> Meanwhile, at the chalet, the kid puts on an army helmet and stares at the Italian guy. Ah, can't you get a dog's helmet to play with or something? Ah, you. Wyatt's all pipe down for Telly. For Telly hands the kid some gum. The writer snaps a picture of the gum. The black guy carrying Gosling shows up. The black guy raises his syringe and goes, Hey, look at this weirdness I found in the Nazi lab. I'm a person, damn you, and occasionally replicate. Also, you can put me down now. The black guy plops Gosling down on top of another thermometer. Wyatt puts a sack over the Nazi captain's face and goes, All right, what are you doing with extras? They have been given a purpose, mostly in the third act. By the way, I think you are a killer. Wyatt's all, why you? Kicks him in the face sack. The captain's all, and so's the French girl. The French girl's all, I'm outraged, and stabs him in the leg. Wyatt tries to remove the knife, but because he's clumsy, it takes a few seconds. Then they hoist the Nazi up using a rope, and Wyatt's all, hey Franz, bet I win this one. He starts punching him. The black guy's all, Hey, sir, come on, man. He's cool. Come on. Wyatt's all. I can't enjoy this with you watching me. The black guy reluctantly stops watching Wyatt punch a Nazi and walks over to the French girl. <sighs> Three months ago, I was smoking grass on someone's front yard. Then a soldier shows up with a letter from my mailman telling me they want me to parachute in the water. Talk to some fucking French girl. I wish you for the other black character who's a German shot. For trying to buy cigarettes off some. That's French, by the way. Wyatt comes down washing Nazi teeth off his hands and butt. He says there are 40 men inside the wall, or 40 walls. Go get the kraut ready to travel. We'll use them to draw a crowd. 
five cents a pop for people to see a man with a sack on his face. Gosling sets down a dime. I want to see him twice. Meanwhile, in the attic, the writer takes a picture of the captive Nazi sleeping, then goes, Hey, how do you think my book should end? The Nazi kicks and shoots him. He tries to shoot the next guy, but for some reason shoots everywhere but where the stairs are. The wounded writer's all, uh, How's it look? Am I okay? T- uh, tell my mom I didn't say anything good. He dies. <laughs> the black guy holds up the syringe and goes, from what I saw in the lab, this stuff turns you into a psychotic monster in constant pain. So he ejects the writer. <laughs> the writer sits up, burps, crushes a metal canteen in his fist, then goes, oh, is it hot in here? Oh, I feel hot. My head hurts. Takes his shirt off and starts screaming while extra bones erupt from his shoulders. Why it's all, okay, Gary's fine. Let's go. <laughs> Suddenly, Gary turns into the Hulk, and although he punches a mahogany pillar to splinters, luckily it takes him two minutes to strangle a black guy. (laughs) They eventually trick Gary by shooting him. Then the black guy tricks him by caving in his skull for a few minutes with a big steel air canister from Jaws that the French girl collects in her attic. As the black guy sets the canister aside, he's all, Guess you could say these are my signature weapon. Why, it's all, all right, Fritz, what did that syringe do to Gary? It's a thousand-year Reich needs thousand-year soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) Fingus is right. Suddenly, uh, the Nazi giggles, grabs the kid, and drives off honking the horn. The French girl runs after the car because she misses the Nazi. Wyatt's all, damn! Why'd we untie his hands? Oh, well. You guys ready to blow up the tower? Sir, we need to save that kid. He's awesome. The Italian guy. Gosling's all, I'd like to point out that the kid and the radio tower are pretty much at the same place, so there's really not any reason for your characters to pick her. Wyatt's stubborn. That's his character. So he's all, damn it, black character. I gave you an order. No. Wyatt grins and goes, okay, good point. I like you. Let's go. (laughs) Gosling checks his thermometer. I'll be done in two more minutes, but I need to be basted. Meanwhile, the Nazi gets back to the lab and goes, now to do what I cleverly plan to do with this child character. straps the kid to a bed and walks off. His friends and the doctor are all, uh, Sir, your teeth look weird. Yeah, it's very windy out. It's in the convertible. <laughs> he injects himself with a syringe, farts, then injects himself again. Then he's all, oh, yeah, ah! Then he sighs while his bones make crackly noises. The scientist is all, uh, it's also the empty buns over there. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the third act, Look and see, I'm French girl! The Nazis chase her, shaking their fists, till they all lose interest except for one guy on a motorcycle who hasn't been late in a while. That seems like the hardest thing to chase a French girl on. Anyway, a bit later, the motorcycle comes puttering up to a guard post, and for reasons I'm still unclear on, putters to a stop right by the troops. Uh, he could have controlled that part. And where it went, he, never mind. 
Hello, Gunther. Why are your hands tied to these handles? Probably unrelated to the French girl we were all just chasing. Huh? <laughs> eh? Oh, here's the problem. You have a grenade and somehow stuck into your mouth. So whatever we do, we must not pull the pin out like this. The sidecar explodes. Behind a tree, Gosling shoots a machine gun at the already burning sidecar. That's right, bitches. Juicelink's still alive in this. Slahayim! The Nazis all run away from Gosling's acting. The French girl runs into a tunnel, pulls a gun on two Nazis, and goes... There's the kid character. One, one of them's all tied to a bed right there. She shoots him, then asks the other Nazi, There's the kid character. <laughs> He's all, Go to hell. She runs off. She finds another Nazi, goes, Open up that cell. He does, and a zombie reaches out and drags the Nazi in. She runs off again, but deciding optimistically that there'll be plenty of time later to shut the cell door. The kid walks up to her and goes, hey, where have you been? <laughs> the tunnel. Get ready to leave. What are you doing here? Uh, that's not important. Here, go back into that tunnel. Stop goofing around. <laughs> Children. Jesus. Suddenly a bald extra attacks her. <laughs> and sniffs her. That makes him relatable to me. But she tricks it by running around. And setting it on fire. Meanwhile, Wyatt goes to the basement and sets a bomb on a photo of a German grandma. Suddenly, the captain with the teeth is standing right behind him. He tricks Wyatt by hanging him from a hook. Black guy's all, damn, I thought the girl was the bait. Ha, JK. Always know when someone's standing right behind you, Sarge. That's just competent soldiering. By the way, no sign of that kid I mutinied to save, so I was thinking, you know, let's just bail. <laughs> Suddenly, the Nazi scientist is standing right behind him. They fight for a bit over a knife, but eventually the black guy realizes he's much stronger and makes the scientist stab <laughs> himself. Very suspenseful. Meanwhile, Gosling gets bored and walks down a sidewalk in the village. City of Lords, come all over me! <laughs> Suddenly, some Nazis start shooting at a car near him, so he screams and cowers on the wrong side of it. The kid shows up and goes, Hey, Gosling, look what I can do. He runs into the crossbar. <laughs> Gosling's all, Damn it, kid. Academy, please pay attention this time. <laughs> Gosling courageously walks into the street, grabs the kid, and almost makes it back to safety. But at the last second, the kid accidentally shoots him in the back. Belatedly, the French girl shows up, drops her flamethrower, picks up an assault rifle, and guns down the Nazis. Then she runs off. As the kid jumps up and down at his chest, Gosling's all, Tell Emma I said! The nearby car horn drowns him out. Meanwhile, in the lab, the Nazi <laughs> captain yells stuff like, Germany will have an invincible army of two or three people who can't use guns since I injected myself with all the syringes. <laughs> He remembers he's holding a black guy, so he throws him through a window, then uses his godlike strength to hold the semi-conscious black guy's head under some water for a couple minutes. <laughs> Shyamalan leans over to me and goes, JJ and water. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
Meanwhile, Wyatt unhooks himself, injects himself with yet another syringe lying around. <laughs> like time machines in the Daenerys Terminator. Stabs the captain with a pipe, also lying around, and starts taking turns with him, smashing each other into CG. Eventually, they get bored just stare at each other. <laughs> the captain with the teeth is all, Hey, hey, I feel just like the shark Jaws. That's the end of the first of the quartet of films named after him and his family. (laughs) So wrong. (laughs) So many words for Tom. And I also have teeth like Jaws the shark. And his wife, Jaws too. And her mother-in-law, Jaws the revenge. And the Cousin, the Jaws, the 3D. Wow. So the sharks needed to wear glasses to talk to. The black guy tries to bribe him by rolling an air canister towards him. The Nazi looks at it and laughs triumphantly for some reason. Wyatt tries to shoot the Nazi but misses. Luckily, the Nazi explodes. Some bald extras arbitrarily start walking towards Wyatt all of a sudden while he lights the fuse and sticks it in some Play-Doh. Wyatt's all, I'll stay here and make sure I blow up, but the black guy's already locking him inside and walking off. The black guy goes to the radio room, fixes Wyatt's clumsy work, then runs towards a series of explosions. Sure picks the turns poorly. Later... The kid listens to his radio and chokes on his baseball, while nearby the Italian guy and the French girl do nothing. On the radio, a guy's all, And in 1940s news, it's (laughs) D-Day! A bunch of people throughout the town throw open their shutters and yell at the kid to turn down the radio. They're trying to sleep. I could read the subtitles. Uh, Black guy walks up, brushes dust off to himself. I like how they're not even trying to help him. And the black guy's all, good news, Wyatt's dead. Later at a tent, I just don't get it, Private. Why'd you blow up the radio tower from the basement? What a waste of dynamite. All the D-Day survivors are so annoyed right now with you about wasting all that dynamite. It's all they're talking about. Uh, Wyatt Russell told me to. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, sounds like him. I only wish she was here so I could give him shit personally. Also, did you see any lab while you were down there? <laughs> Guys, you're saying this is a zombie movie. Uh, <laughs> should we dig through all that rubble? Should we finish conquering Germany first? <laughs> you're a private. What do you think? <laughs> Black guy's all... <laughs> he walks outside to find the French girl. <laughs> That's how it was. He walks outside to find that the French girl and the kid are now part of his platoon. (laughs) Sequel. (laughs) The Italian guy and the kid are playing cards. The Italian's all, what you got, Jackoff? The kid smiles and spreads out cards smeared with chocolate. He has a deuce high. The Italian's all, ah, folds. (laughs) Black guy's all, good news is a reward for winning the war. They're deploying us to the front. 
French girls all, tell me again the story of the grass and the mailman bothering you. Perhaps my English is no good. I feel like I'm missing the point. As the camera loses interest and looks at some rubble, some words tell me who at Bad Robot didn't draw the Cloverfield Paradox straw. The end. (laughs) (laughs) I assume it was like that. I don't know. Uh, A little inside baseball. Yeah. Overlord. Overlord. (laughs) All right, Dingus, you go first. You're not the horror movie guy here, so this movie... I'm not really not for you. So what did you think? So when he's not scared, it's always like Halloween. He wasn't scared during it. So right, yeah, so, yeah. This Dingus did this scare you, you know, like a horror movie should. What's a movie that's better than this, and a movie that's not quite as good? All right, over this, I would put the movie Iron Sky, which um, <laughs> wow, you hate it. <laughs> I really don't like this movie at all. Oh, hates. Yeah, my mom hates. My mom was mad at me for recommending it. Um. I really like Iron Sky because it's super dumb. It's super super poorly done, but it has a sense of humor about itself. Uh, there's one there's one moment in particular where where the the woman is is trying to get the guy to like pretend to be a Nazi, and she does this this Heil Hitler and then a thumbs up thing that really won me over for Iron Sky. Uh, so I, I I I quite liked watching Iron Sky. Um, which was given to my girlfriend for uh, one of the Secret Santa, I think, uh, exchanges that we had. <laughs> um, I know that's a good, uh, that's a good Christmas gift. Yeah. Uh, so um, under this, I would put World War Z, which uh, I ah. think the uh, CG is worse than this um, and is dumber. Uh, but one of my main gripes about this is that it has no sense of humor whatsoever, and I think it's really shoddily directed. Um, and I, I was really pretty disappointed uh, with a lot of it. It doesn't have any sense of what it should be, I don't think. So, next. Kelly Wand, what's an over and under? What did you think? I thought it was really cool. I liked it. Uh, I like that blonde girl in Iron Sky, so I'd give her as my over. But my over over is uh, Dead Snow because it's kind of it's got it's funnier. It's got that one part where they're hanging from the intestines. It's a Nazi zombie movie about Norwegians. And there's an outhouse kill, um, and it's gorier. So I give I like that's my over. My under is The Keep, which I think Tom likes. I could be wrong. Uh, young Tom liked it when he saw it in the theater. I don't think it holds really? up. It's really weird. Like it's a, it it it. The Keep relies on the Tangerine Dream soundtrack and just Michael Mann's early, hey, I'm yeah. going to be Michael Mann stuff. Uh, I, I, it, it just you know, it made an impression on me as a kid, so I can watch it with nostalgia and appreciate it. I feel it. like I'd like it more now as nostalgia, and I didn't like it. Though. But maybe I'm wrong. Okay. But, so that's, you, you think this is better than The Keep? Like you would, you, yeah. Would, okay. Overlord. All right. Let's do it. I uh, support so, Overlord. Mm-hmm. So uh, my my over, I actually think this is better than Dead Snow. My my problem with Dead Snow, Kelly Wand, uh, I I don't. Dead Snow is not a zombie movie. It's a bait and switch. Dead Snow is a slasher movie, uh, which I find hugely disappointing. Going in expecting a zombie movie about Nazi zombies in Norway, um, but most of the movie is about just young kids at a ski resort getting picked off one by one. And that's that's not true. Movies, I haven't seen it in a while. It might so, suck. Yeah, the, the, the problem with Dead Snow is all that cool zombie Nazi stuff is just a bit at the end where the, zo- the Nazi zombies rise up out of the snow. And they tease you with this idea of 
cursed Nazi zombie gold. Uh, and that's a good hook, but then you watch the slasher movie, and then at the very end, these zombies come out of the snow, and then the credits roll. Uh, and the sequel's even worse, by the way. The sequel, which finally decides to be about zombie Nazi zombies, is just a, a huge mess. But I would say this is better than Dead Snow, because unlike Dead Snow, well... This at least has this, – I didn't feel as tricked by this as I felt by Dead Snow. However, I didn't like this because I thought it had too little horror and too much Band of Brothers commando action. Uh, and, I, I, and I didn't think it did either particularly well. So for my over, I would put another movie that I really don't like. I don't know a lot of Italian horror. Uh, and most of what I've seen I don't care for. And one of the Italian horror movies that I've seen is – a. Um, Oh, shoot, Umberto Lindsay or something like that. It's not Fulci. It's not the main guy, but it's, it's a movie called Nightmare City, which is some dumb zombie thing. It rips off a lot of stuff from Dawn of the Dead, but it has a really cool scene where an airplane lands, and it's super mysterious. Like, nobody – it didn't ask for clearance. Nobody knows why this airplane is landing here. The pilot's not responding. So they go out to check out what's the deal with this airplane, and they open the doors, and all these zombies come flooding out and kill them. And that's kind of a cool, memorable scene, and it's far more memorable than anything I saw in Overlord, which I'm with Dingus. I did not care for this at all. So those are my over and under. I can't think of, like, my favorite action scene. Like, it's kind of even the whole way through. Um, So, but I I really liked it structurally. Like, there's no downtime. It's just a... It's just things keep happening at a steady pace, even if they're not like Grand Guignol, like I was hoping. I actually was – one of the first things I thought you would say, Kelly Wan, was that it wasn't R-rated enough. Yeah. Uh, it's trying a little. Okay. I mean, you know. Because I my feel – My bar's so low now. <laughs> I can't tell anymore. Can't well, I feel trusted. that's that's part of why it's too little horror is it, it flirts a lot with – that Grand Guignol that you're talking about and, and gore and horrific stuff because there's sort of a template for this movie. This this movie and this kind of approach to zombies and mad Nazi scientists, I mean, this is all stuff that's been in other movies. And those other movies tend to rely on just gore and shocking, gross stuff and these horrific right. experiments. And this movie is super coy about most of that. Like they're trying to mainstream it. Exactly. They're trying to mainstream it. When they do show you something really horrific, like that French woman's head, they're they just get it. They show it to you briefly, and then they're gone. Like a, yeah. a real horror movie would dwell on the horrificness of that, but this movie just wants to show it to you and then move on real quick so that we can get to saving the little kid, which again is also not <laughs> what you get in a horror movie. I mean, this is a yeah, this is a no, this that's is a, a that's a terrible idea. Saving the little kid is right. a terrible idea. Yeah. I mean, if you want this to be an R-rated movie, from my perspective, turn the kid. I mean, what? What's wrong? Well, nothing happens to the kid. They just save the kid. Like, nothing zombie-related. Well, you, you turn the kid. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the things I think Tom has talked about before as far as the, the, one of the horrific things about uh, zombie fiction is children. Yeah, and you've this, talked about that before, right? No, no, absolutely right, Dingus. And, and uh, a lot of – you know, most movies these days – and this is one of the things I want to talk to uh, – talk about is th- this movie has a very contemporary vibe as far as its approach to horror it's just going to tease it and play with it and you know i i don't i i, I don't this could have been a pg-13 movie uh mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it, it didn't take advantage of its r because i think it's it's contemporary modern 
palatable horror for a mainstream audience. Uh. And watching this movie early, I'm kind of I was kind of hoping that it was going to try to recapture that 80s vibe of John Carpenter movies uh, mm. where things were just really uncomfortable and where at the beginning of Assault in Precinct 13, a little girl getting an ice cream cone gets shot to death by the villain. Uh, yeah. th- these are really uncomfortable, horrid things that set the tone for the rest of the movie and that create a sense of stakes and, and peril. Uh, and this, you know the little kid is going to get saved and there's yeah. there's no... so. So this movie, I think, is what horror has become as a worst-case scenario, as just a little tease, a little bit of a layer put over something that has mainstream appeal. In this case, you know, some some World War II soldiers you can root for, uh, and it's not genuinely dark. Uh, and anything that is genuinely dark, it just shows you very briefly and then moves on and doesn't doesn't really want to yeah. dwell on how dark it is. Uh, well, we have a we have a writer in her named Brian Becker who basically says that perhaps they decided to go R-rated very late in the production uh, because he says it's it's incredibly weird seeing a modern World War II movie about gum chewing C, uh, GIs who only curse when someone puts a giant hook through them. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, Dingus. Yeah. So that's that's Brian Becker talking. The script, right? I, I also noticed too, like with the yeah. flamethrowers, when they flamethrower the the people, it's off screen. Like why? Sh- that's that's that like it's Nazis doing it, so there shouldn't be any reason we sh- we should know yeah. that they're terrible people, and they just flamethrower people who are behind a, a concrete barrier. Thing, so it's like they it. want it to play in Germany. Well, Kelly wants so here's oh, a, 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 you'll also note there are no swastikas in this movie. Right. Nobody. They. They. You know they, and they the, are, of and course, the, not. The U.S. Army is not segregated. Like paratroopers are totally. They were well, not just paratroopers. Like all, all soldiers. Like, they're, yeah, yeah they're, which is ridiculous. I don't think that. Well, the thing is, you know, Bruce Garrick, another writer in her, who has three, who has three different, three main problems with the, uh, uh, I guess the the factual nature of what's going on in this because he's a, a war board gamer guy, um, says that. The, it talks about that that segregation idea. I mean, he he talks specifically about the fact that the U.S. armed forces were racially segregated until 1948. Right. But I I don't think that this movie is making that point. I think that other than the 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 moment where we're talking about Haiti, and that's where he learned his French. Um, I, I I don't think the movie is trying to necessarily make him into a a specifically black character. They're just letting a black actor play this role. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, he could have been anything. Well, I, I so I, that, that's one way to look at it, Dingus. But I think it's also just it's not it doesn't really care about any historicity. Like it, it, oh, it really yeah. is. It's just palatable World War II entertainment. And in any World War II movie with a squad of ethnically varied, mismatched soldiers, you're going to have a black guy, and you're going to have the black sergeant. Um, and you know that kind of movie doesn't care about the historicity, and it doesn't care if the Nazis oh. don't have swastikas. It doesn't care that there's no such thing as a radio jammer that they're talking about. It doesn't care that mines would never be planted in the middle of the countryside where paratroopers are going. Uh, it doesn't care that you don't blow up <laughs> you don't blow up plastic explosives by lighting a fuse at the end of them. Uh, and so it also doesn't <laughs> care that. That it would be it would be utterly outrageous in 1944 if a bunch of soldiers were on a plane or were anywhere and a black man came out and gave them orders. 
that would be unheard of. We, we, the United States still had 20 years of Jim Crow laws ahead of them, and to have a black man coming out and giving orders to white soldiers it would just be outrageous in 1944. And this movie doesn't care about that, and fair enough. It doesn't want to show us that version of World War II. And, it's, and D-Day are the, well, it's, is the stakes, too. But, so like, <laughs> but my point is he's just an actor playing a role. It, 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 I don't think the movie cares. It's not that the movie doesn't care about it. I think the movie's making a point that a, a black actor can play any role he wants to play. I mean, a black Bruce actor cannot point right. that he, he says, you know, the unit makeup in this film would have been impossible. And I understand right. that if you're looking at these as African-American dudes in this unit. But if you're looking at them at them as just actors playing roles, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, why can't why can't a guy who's Jewish play a German officer? I mean, why because, can't a black well, guy play a white guy? I mean, it sounds like Dingus, you're wanting to strip a black person's identity from him or her, and I don't. No, I don't, not not really. No, I'm, okay, I'm not identity, to... but but racial, their their race from from him or her, like their racial but identity. I'm saying that a black a, a black actor doesn't only have to play black characters. No, he, he doesn't. Any but, character he but, wants. but right, but here's the thing: there would be no black characters in a historically authentic or in a World War II movie that cared about the history of World War II. There would be no black actors playing. Uh, soldiers, much less any sort of uh, sergeant or, or officer. Uh, when we saw the Beguiled remake, you were like, yeah, if there'd been black characters, it would have clouded the issues. Or I mean, it, can, can a black character, can a black actor just play a, a like a captain or a, right. or a, no. an officer in right. World War II? He just can't. No, he can't in a movie that cares about the historicity of World War II. Which this and, doesn't. And this, this movie doesn't. It, it, clearly, it doesn't. It, you know, right. from the moment I, they, they're told, "Go blow up a radio jammer." You know, there's nothing that jams radio, and certainly not back then. Uh, that this movie doesn't care about that. And I'm. And D-Day is not going to happen unless they do it. Like they're right. the most important mission in World War II, right. and that's what. That's and how that's, they wound up there. And that's and Bruce I, Garrick's second point: is is that basically the Allies had complete air super, superiority during. Right. Uh, Overlord, no one needed to send parents. Well, we know that. It's like Martian Chronicles. You yeah. know there's no air well, on the, Mars. The, the funny thing is, and I kind of wish the movie had played with this, like the paratroopers were hugely important. You know, we had this enormous army crossing the English Channel and landing there, but the paratroopers who – and they, they show the guys 101st Airborne Division patch. Like these are specific – paratroopers uh they right. landed and they did a lot of work behind the lines in terms of grabbing bridges we need or shutting down the bridges that the germans needed or making it difficult for a german courier to drive orders somewhere like like these paratroopers had a hugely crucial role but none of them was like kelly is saying if you don't do this d-day is going to completely fail uh and, and i don't yeah. and and i think again that's just the movie wanting to make this a mainstream super accessible you know, it, it just doesn't care about what the paratroopers actually did. It doesn't care. It wants to make up a fake mission with fake stakes. Uh, I think the reason I got fooled is, and, and even on the R rating thing, is like at the beginning, the the stereotypes are so broad. I feel like I'm in a 1940s kind of movie, like World War II. Like there's a Jewish guy, an Italian guy, and a writer. Like it's all so dopey, like Disney-level 1940s, that when the zombies show up later, I've been kind of lulled into like, oh, this is like a grandpa movie. And then when they start getting blown up and shit, I'm like, oh, this is kind of R-rated. So I might have like, like I said, my bar is so low going in. Right, right. That, um, I'm like, yeah, I'll take this over. What else is there? It's a soft year <laughs> for zombies and well, Nazis. I, I, 
I mean, as, as far as horror, I, I am super eager. I'm super excited to see any horror that is not about dumb teenagers. And I, I love right. horror in a different context. And, and there, there are a fair number of these, but the idea of soldiers in a horror old movie, people. because, well, well adults, oh. old people, but soldiers who are trained to kill things and who have lots of weaponry, that's a unique setting for horror movies. And right. it's also, uh, you know, like Aliens or, uh, 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 what's that? Neil Marshall thing about the werewolves. Oh, dog the soldiers. Dog, dog soldiers. Dog yeah, soldiers. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. But when when you do a horror movie about men who are trained to fight things, like that's kind of cool. I like that yeah. idea because they're not vulnerable and they're not, you know, this yeah, isn't. They gonna, get owned. Yeah, exactly. If something can kill them, that makes it just all the more fierce. Right. So. I, you know, the the horror stuff in this I really wanted to like, and I should have been an easy sell, but I just didn't feel there was enough of that horror stuff. Uh, and it was there was just super coy, and uh, it was just too much sol- just goofy soldiering to be accessible for a mainstream audience, and not enough dark horror. Not enough there's not, horror. There's not a lot of exposition. <laughs> it's like it's just it, – there's something dumb going on that's new every two minutes. For the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. We're in the woods. Now we're in the pipes. Now we're in the, right. Now we're in the well, like I they're don't... they're never too long anywhere. Like just as I'm starting to get bored, it's like oh, here's a lab with a French. Tom, you asked me if if I found this scary, right? Huh? Yep. No, I I, I don't think it's a horror movie. Should you? I, yeah, it's I, action horror. I don't think it's. I, I don't know what. It, for me, what this movie feels like is a poor. Uh, a poor treatment for a possible TV series. It doesn't feel like a movie to me. It's pulp. Um, It it doesn't even look that good. And and a couple of our, uh, of the people who wrote in thought that it did look really good. I, I think it looks like a TV set. Uh, I think a lot of the production values are crappy. I, I don't really care for much of what goes on in it. And it just feels like, you know, it frankly feels like we're trying to, Stitched together an idea for an, a Nazi Germany lost movie, uh, television series. I don't know. It it doesn't feel like a movie to me. It's weird. So so as far as you asking if it if it's a scary horror movie to me, not at all. Yeah, I don't think it. Like I can't. The only scares here. I mean, it, so so this kind of movie, what it should play on is. The idea of uh, it's it's ultimately a mad scientist movie, right? Like that is these heavily armed guys are up against the the abominations created by a mad scientist. I think mm-hmm. that is the movie that's being set up, and in this case, the mad scientist he doesn't matter so much as the Nazi officer who becomes a, an abomination himself. Uh, so I don't think it it's what it's supposed to be is like like dreadful or gross or or just the excesses of these nazi experiments are supposed to just just be super creepy or make you uncomfortable and uh i don't think it does any of that much less dingus it like it's never really creepy the creepiest thing the only moment that this movie thinks it's creeping you out is the breathing behind the door like yeah, what and that nothing... yeah exactly and you know it's and it's telegraphed well and, and go ahead, what were you gonna say about that me? Yeah, yeah, I cut you off. Nothing comes of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Like they never, they, we never even see that character again. Like she never does anything. She's still in the. She's you know the war's over. And what she is well, she super strong? That's, well, a, that's no the consistency. Thing. I was in what really interested does. in that idea. I mean, and that weird face behind the door, and what's going on with that particular part of the experiment, and what does that mean when they're going to take the kid to get him experimented Objective. upon uh, is also, she going to emerge and nothing happens yeah because they even there's a point where Pilo Asbeck tells the soldiers to go take care of the ant and I was yeah. like oh the ant's going to fuck these Nazis up now and nope nothing we see, we hear gunshots through a window and I, I don't know what was supposed to be implied oh. by that uh, but you're right Dingus nothing came of that and that was I think the only claim that this movie had to being like creepy or scary i mean i guess the severed head and the dudes in the cocoon like i guess that was kind of creepy or scary but just the the horror in this was just so downplayed and and brief and really obligatory uh yeah and and dingus what you're saying about it being a made for tv movie what what where i like how i would express that I thought there was nothing like imaginative in this. Like the fact that it's in a church and that, that they're they're underneath a church. I thought there was going to be some like front end on the church. Like we see the statues of Jesus have been burned and carted out, but what, like shouldn't there be some sense of the Nazis have desecrated a church with their evil lab ex- equipment? And that's kind of set up by the fact that we got the external shot of the church. But then once we get in the bunkers, they're just boring gray tunnels with yeah. one one kind of cool uh, lab set with the goo in the center in a well. But it, it, the sets in this were, were just really disappointing, and there was nothing really that imaginative about them. So it was uh, Yeah. That's well, a I really had... good point about the church, actually. I didn't think about because I, I, I just kept thinking of it as the tower. You know, what? because they kept calling it the That's tower, the and I kept thinking, it. Rapunzel, Rapunzel. I mean, it, it all I, I just thought of the tower, yeah. and I didn't think of it. I, I and this there's is never a, a shot the where movie. the characters I didn't get think in of it or out. as a as a church and what that means for the implications of this ancient evil. Right, right, exactly. Like it's very briefly mentioned that this has been flowing under this French village for a while, and the French didn't know about it. And and, and yeah, Dingus, that there's a church built on it suggests to me that hey, maybe they did know about it, and this is their way to consecrate. Uh, this, or they wanted this... to use the bodies, even. Uh, well, I don't. I, I, who knows? Like, yeah, you could go that direction with it. But just the idea that this this church was over this ancient evil, as Dingus is calling it. We should use the church as a set. The fact that there's a steeple there, like I thought we'd at least have some action up in the steeple. In in yeah. Bruges, you know, when there's a steeple, yeah. that's going to figure prominently. And, and I think a good script would take advantage of the fact that we are in occupied France and we are specifically in a small village built around a church. And we are specifically about the abominations of Nazi experimenting being coupled with an ancient evil. Uh, just use that stuff. Uh, and the script didn't really want to do it. It just wanted to show us its glib little American commando movie. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and that would have made the ending the ending scene where he's being coy about telling the dude uh, what actually happened under there. I mean, he's, he doesn't – he's, oh, nothing happened. It was just uh, a place. Right. I mean, why, why aren't you telling it? Oh, are you afraid that the – United States government is yeah, going to so then so is Russell arbitrarily at the last you second. then use this this power for their own right. goods and then be perverted but but they they never go there he just is coy about yeah. 
telling the truth about something that seems – nothing none, – none of the characters do anything in this movie that makes any sense. It feels like a, it feels like a teenage horror movie. It feels like – you know, why did you jump on the truck? Why did you just I, – I love dogs, but shoot the freaking dog and don't jump on the truck. I mean even Chris Marcus is like, did they not hear him jump on the truck? What is going on? Uh, and then the truck is leaving. Just get back on the truck. What is wrong with you? That is such a contrived <laughs> like that's really a, a the screenwriter has no idea how to get him into the <laughs> into the bunker. So it's yeah. like, god, what how can I get this character into this bunker to see these experiments? Oh, I don't know. So he just shrugged and threw that down there and maybe thought, I'll fix that in another draft, and it never got fixed. <laughs> like, that went yeah. to the shooting script. Yeah, that was so contrived. But Dingus, come on. It makes perfect sense that when your buddy dies, you're going to jam a syringe of random goo into his chest, right? That yes. makes perfect yeah. sense, yeah. Dingus. Well, because that's what he do with the mouse. <laughs> but he knows what that stuff does. <laughs> and it turns that guy into the Hulk, but, like, the other – the Nazi captain, he's not crazy, He's just super strong. Like it affects him fine, and he just keeps giving himself more of it. But it doesn't have more of an effect. Well, they're trying. I mean, and this also was a stupid line when the Nazi scientist says, "No, we haven't experimented on the living." I'm like, "Come on, you guys are Nazis, uh, and you haven't tried that on the living yet, please." What kind of what kind of half-assed Nazis are, are you guys? You're in a village. You're doing experiments on people. You're not injecting living people with your your mystic goo. Really, I really the Nazi. Aunt- the ant was one of the living. But the idea, no, no. But the the Nazi scientist says to Pilo Asbeck, "Don't do that. We haven't done it on the living." I mean, presumably they're uh, doing some other experiments, but they haven't injected. I I got the sense that this is like the refined version of it, and they haven't injected it in a living person yet. But that maybe they're because I I think those cocoons. The idea is that they're they're. They're making people like steep in the goo, which is horrific. You think about it, and you don't make that that clear. But in those, what they've done is they've scooped up this goo, they put it in the cocoons, they put uh, respirators on people, and they've just let them steep or marinate in this goo to see what happens. Yeah. But right. they've refined this stuff, and the Nazi scientist hasn't tried it on living people. I mean, that uh, Mengele would well, be very disappointed. <laughs> The FDA hasn't gotten to this. Right. Right. <laughs> right, Dingus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so not Nazi enough, not zombie enough. Uh, and Zombie light. So have either of you guys, you guys are jerks because I know you haven't, especially Kelly Wand. <laughs> Kelly Wand, did you ever see Wormwood, Road of the Dead? Is it the one with the Australian zombies and it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. They use gas, they use it as gas or something? That's yeah. the Wormwood with the Y in it. Yeah. Maybe you guys have seen it. Yeah, that's not, my over. But... Forget Dead Snow. I don't remember Dead Snow enough. Shouldn't be my over. Dingus, did you see Wormwood? Wormwood's my over. No, no, I didn't. Because Wormwood has a great, uh, he's not a Nazi, but a great mad scientist zombie experiment sequence. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing bit, and it's just super unhinged, and the guy is crazy, and the stakes are really high because this cool chick played by Bianca Brady is – she's like going to be his next experiment, and you really like that character, and there's no way she's going to get out, and there's armed soldiers everywhere. Like it's this great mad scientist making zombies sequence, uh, mm. and it's just grim and messy, and it's a great-looking set. Uh, yeah. So What's yeah. that movie cost? This was $40 million. Overlord. Well, this you know, this is Possibly. a J.J. Abrams joint. I mean, yeah, I, I was super right. disappointed, by the way, and I think I, I didn't realize this was not directed by Abrams himself. I, I for some reason I didn't either until until the end of the movie. Well, I, I was kind of as it was going, I was kind of thinking, wait a minute, because it yeah, th- this just showed no. Where's the lens flare? 
Well, the beginning. Well, there was lens flare in it when the when the dog comes in and attacks him. There's a very clear lens flare moment right there, right when he's like lying on the ground and the truck's rolling by. He goes down to the ground and the dog comes in and attacks him. There's a lens flare moment there. Uh, right, but lens flare. I mean, I don't. I I think Abrams has been cowed away from doing his lens flare yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, uh, it felt like a. a, a yeah, this is something that Bruce and I think somebody else said as well. Uh, it felt like saving Private Ryan in the air at the beginning, but anyway, what were which you I, I didn't mind. Like I, I, you yeah. know, you guys were making fun of the CG. Like I love that CG can make us do really epic looking, at least in scale, uh, D-Day scenes, and and like I, I like that or that paratrooping sequence. Yeah, like, I was kind of hoping it would stay at that level for the whole movie, and right. he was going to be that jeopardized for the whole movie. Yeah, and that it would be that sort of that they would be that that sort of outclassed and out of control and scattered right. and uncertain and scared. The worst night of your life. The yeah, worst yeah. night of your life. And that just goes by the wayside super quickly once they get that sequence behind them and then there's a bunch of wandering in the woods and sitting in a basement and every yeah, now yeah. and then go to the super cheap mad scientist set and then come back. Yeah. Um, well, he was mowing grass and then in the- <laughs> there's some texture for you. Jeez. <laughs> uh, See? Uh, let's talk about the cast. Um, I, I'm kind of disappointed now that uh, I guess after Game of Thrones, Pilo Aspic is just going to be a, a scenery-chewing, leering villain from now on, which is super disappointing. Cause, Literally chewing. Yeah, well, yeah. But, and that even, by the way, was super inconsistent. Like, there were times it was a big CG effect, but there were other times it looked like they just lit it poorly so they didn't have to do the CG. Uh, B-movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I love Pilo Aspect, and uh, they just—they well, gotta be. They did nothing yeah. with him here. I love uh, Pilo Aspect because of a hijacking, and that's just because of you making me watch a hijacking. Yeah, and that—that's yeah. you know that you watch that and you think, oh, this guy's really good, and he's gonna play different kinds of roles. But you, you know, I guess once you play a bad guy in Game of Thrones, that's pretty much it for you. Like that poor kid who plays. Uh, he's the the uh, Iron. Crown King's brother Iron dude Island, who, who usurps the throne from Jemma uh, uh, okay. Whelan. Okay. Do you know um, who that? Yeah. I was just Bruce, trying to make you say things. Bruce Garrick, <laughs> Bruce Garrick uh, continually refers to him as Jurgen Prop now. No! <laughs> Garrick. That guy should have been in this. Is he still working? I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. So uh, I love when Wyatt Russell uh, sounds just like his dad. Like he'll do a few lines, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, yeah, he sounds just like his dad, but without the good writing. Like, like when when Philo Aspects says to him, "How does it feel to have the blood of eternity throwing through your veins?" That's a great place for a Kurt Russell line. And yeah. and Wyatt Russell, he's he does the Kurt Russell thing, and I think it's sub. Like I don't think he can help it. He's his father's son, but the line he's given is quote not so fucking great. End not quote. So great. Yeah. That's yeah. your line. That's your that's your response to a Nazi, zombie, abomination, rapist officer taunting you. Is yeah. that doesn't feel so great. What? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He's just seeding the argument. <laughs> you win. But he says it grim, grimly, like you're gonna get it. But he's really saying you're gonna right. kick my ass. Yeah, he delivers it as if it was a well-written line that that Carpenter would have given Kurt Russell to say way back when. But nope, he, he gets. I'm in a terrible way right now. <laughs> uh, and, a walk through. And do you guys remember his his quip when he kills Pilo Aspect? 
No. I won this one after all. Now? Kelly won. That would even be better. His quip is, I think I'm done with this. Thanks. And he throws the lighter back. Like that, like, I think I'm done oh. with this. Thanks. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's his badass, right. I'm killing you line. Ugh. Yeah. So Soren so, so Hoagland wrote wrote in as well and he says that it's distract it's slightly distracting he ha- he actually really liked this movie he says ah. it's, enti- it's entirely See? he says it's entirely my jam a b movie with modest aims that executes really well but he does say it's slightly distracting to see wyatt russell go full kurt russell though oh no i love it about him do it more often i love seeing him be in kurt yeah. russell yeah it's the first time he's done it that i could think of he's not this in jump street 222 well, Brian Becker Black Mirror. about because I, you know, I I kind of like Dwight Russell a lot, um, but I'm really I like him more every time I see him. Like I'm used yeah. to him now. Uh, Brian Becker Brian Becker says uh, I had a hard time focusing on Wyatt Russell's acting as I keep wondering how the son of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell ends up looking like Owen Wilson. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Owen Wilson was in that World War II movie too, Behind Enemy Lines or something. Uh, I would like to see uh, White Russell get uh, more work though, because I I did like him very he's much. He's working constantly. Yeah, he'll you be see fine. Him? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I like him a lot. And, and I, I unlike yeah, unlike Soren Hoagland, you know, let him be Kurt Russell. I mean, we don't have young Kurt Russell anymore. That's one of the great things about celebrities having children; they replace themselves. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a little macabre, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless. Except for us, Tom. <laughs> we're not celebrities, Kelly Wan. We're, we're, oh, they'll break the mold true. after they're done with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, are the, what, are the, what are the Wyatt Russell sports movies, Kelly Wan? Uh, everybody wants some, of course, but what are, what are the other movies where he plays sports? There was a third one. Uh, Black Mirror is Eastbound. Ah, re- okay, I haven't seen any of this Black Mirror. I'm glad to know uh, he's in one well, of that, the episodes. That's completely ridiculous what I just said, so it's not a spoiler. Okay. You can see it and go, what? You'll, st- you'll like go, I don't understand Kelly's joke now. Kelly's talking about Goon, the, the, the Goon. Oh, yeah, Goon 2. Yeah. He's that's in the three. Goon sequel? Oh. Yeah! You didn't see it? No, why would I see that? Eh, it's still Goon. It's a lamer. It'll make you wonder if Goon's as good as you remember, but it, I'm no. sure it is. But okay. It's, uh, it's definitely a drop off. It's, it's like every there's a lot of headbutting in it by Wire Russell. So that's enough like for me. This. Okay, I'm in. It's so that's three movies. Yeah, he's the antagonist. It's evil Wire Russell. So Dingus, who did we make see this? Soren Hoagland, uh, uh, Bruce Garrick. Haha. Uh, who else saw this? Brian Becker. Brian Becker, Soren Hoagland, Bruce Garrick, and Chris Markinson, um, who. Uh, uh, I totally agree with Chris Markinson on this point that the the jerk the, the character who's the jerk to the boy saving the boy I mean you can't uh, honestly you see that coming down Fifth Anna, uh, Avenue come on guys come on do something interesting I gave my life <laughs> I love how Kelly Wan is conflating the Jewish character and the Italian character with his yeah, Brian Gosling yeah um, I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, he also, he also, uh, you know, both Brian Becker and Chris Markinson bring up uh, Inglorious Bastards, and um, Brian Becker would just rather, I think, watch Inglorious Bastards again. But he, okay, that's but, my over. That's but Chris over. says um, he thinks the CEO is trying to do Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards. The guy at the it, very uh, end. Uh, yeah. 
I, I don't know. He just says CO. I don't know what he means. But he also black says, guy. It, at the it's beginning? just nothing special. Right. Well, the, the commanding officer at the end reminded. It's kind of more Amanda. like in, in Thin Red Line, where George Clooney shows up at the very end to, to yeah. debrief everyone, and he's been completely removed from the horrors of war they have experienced uh, in, in Thin Red Line. Yeah. But uh, if he means um, Bokeem Woodbine, because that uh, he's not technically an officer, uh, I don't see how that's a George Clooney. But uh, like you know, I, I saw that guy at the end and thought he looked like oh shoot, Chris Parnell. Right? Like I was like, oh, is yeah, that, he does is that look Chris like Parnell? Chris Parnell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the guy from Lazy Sunday. Yeah. Why'd you blow it up from the basement? <laughs> dude. <laughs> thanks for uh, saving D Day, but dude, come on. We know how much dynamite you had. It's all I can think about. <laughs> what I love about Bruce Garrick's email is that he did three emails. Um he <laughs> about overlay? He, he did yeah. Alright. Well, you know, he said that he had three major problems with it. <laughs> I'm going to cover each one in a separate well, correspondence. And he also – he has this whole thing about German Cthulhu dogs. Do you guys know – Pounds of Tindalos? <laughs> no, he says German yeah. Cthulhu dogs had red shiny eyes, not green shiny eyes. And, uh, were, and were not encountered until Operation Cobra break out from Normandy in July. He might have so a I, point. Yeah. I don't know what 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 was what were they setting up with with the the jackal skull? Like what was that all about? Oh, why, yeah. why was that even a thing? That's when I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, it's going to be like a cult. Right. Yeah. What was that? Also, it made me think Indiana Jones. Wait, I have a I, seriously. Oh, okay. I'm like, sorry. Like, I, no, I mean, I, well, Indiana Jones hold that thought, but what? I, I'm curious. What was the? What did I miss? Why did? Well, nothing. Them find you didn't miss anything. That's why. <laughs> so they just found the, the body of a jackal. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Yeah. Huh. It, right, so it was just this thing on the ground, and I thought it was going to wind up being something, and then they just walked away. Like, in Kelly Wan parlance, they lost interest. <laughs> the movie yeah. lost interest. Jackal. In yeah. We said the word jackal. We have the line of dialogue about a jackal. All right, well, so, Kelly Wan, you were going to say something about Indiana Jones, and I cut you off. What were... Well, I think I, I think I answered your question. Ah, yes, you did. <laughs> Very good. So you didn't Bruce, get anything better. <laughs> Bruce Garrick's over was the keep. Sorry, Kelly. Ah, uh-huh. Uh, his under was Boys from Brazil. Do you guys know? Uh, oh, wow. That was, was going to be my over for Do you know who plays the Nazi in The Keep, by the way? Do you guys remember? No. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Scott Glenn. No, no. Scott Glenn is the, the hero. He's the commando who goes in there. Oh. Uh, the Nazi is uh, Gabriel Byrne. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Very young Gabriel Byrne in a, in a Nazi outfit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the keeps is over, and his unders boys from Brazil. Boys that, from Brazil can't be any good. Like you go what? through a whole movie with, with with Gregory Peck, and then and to get to the end no. where there's a baby Hitler, a kid Hitler. Uh, it's Lawrence Olivier. Hello. Oh. Well, he's marathon well, man on the other Bruce side. Says it's a movie about Doctor Bengali cloning Hitler that had yeah. that Gregor, Gregory Peck and Steve Gutenberg couldn't save. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. It's, That's what he says. He might be right. Like this before Steve Gutenberg became a famous comic actor in the Police Academy movies. The hero yeah. is Hitler. Boys from <laughs> it's the guy who wrote Rosemary's Baby too. It's Ira. Levine. It is Ira Levine. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Not Ira Levine. What's his name? Ira Levine's That's the NPR guy. Oh, it is. It's okay. Ira Levin. Or there's no E. Okay. It's right. Ira right. Levin. Ira Levin. The and then he wrote a sequel Levin. to Rosemary's Baby, where it's all a dream. 
Uh, Brian Becker wants to know why didn't they just get the Wolf's uh, Wolfstein license? What does that mean? Wolfenstein. Oh, yeah. Wolfenstein. I mean, thing. I don't think anyone would care about that, Brian. But that's that's an interesting video question. game movies aren't box office. Well, the, you know, Brian Becker. Actually, that's a great point. Brian Becker. The the Wolfenstein games were originally just uh, in in early computer game days, I think even before Doom, the folks who made Doom just made a, a, a game about a, a American soldier shooting a bunch of Nazis in a dungeon, and it was called Wolfenstein, because they thought, hey, that's a funny name for it. And it became a, a franchise, and they made more Wolfenstein games. The, the last one uh, really had some clever, smart, and uh, socially relevant things uh. to say in, in creating this alternate history of World War II. Uh, the last huh. one was really clever. So Brian Becker, I would love to – I'm glad this didn't have the Wolfenstein license because the Wolfenstein license after the last game deserves far better. Better than – What's yeah. socially relevant about it? Can oh, all this stuff about – yeah, yeah, all this stuff about uh, – about uh, like the uh, the Nazis have in, invaded the U.S. and there's stuff about uh, – they, they go Ooh. to New Orleans and the, the situation – like the, the, the role of racism in New Orleans uh, – yeah, uh, it's just uh, it's a complete. It, it's a way to yeah. It's a, it's a way to like look at uh, racism and I think even some of the stuff with some of the female characters uh, through this this outrageous lens of alternate history. It's like what if Iron Sky really wanted to make a point? Uh, uh, and it, it was super controversial for that reason too. Like because a lot of gamers yeah, I can't like, get I it here. Yeah, I don't want politics. Wait, yeah, yeah, Wolfenstein? exactly. Wolfenstein because I thought Wolfenstein was just like. Hobbin Z running through right. castles and shooting Nazis. Yeah, yeah, it was, but uh, at a certain point, Bethesda, who now has the license, and I forget who developed that game. Do you know who developed that, Kelly Wand? The yes. last one? Uh, no. Because they deserve credit, and they, so Bethesda published it, but uh, the folks who developed it uh, decided to just do something really cool and ambitious with it. Uh, wow. When I saw I couldn't get it, I went, I guess it doesn't matter to me. I don't know, why, so. I guess because, yeah, I don't know, because I, I don't, I think they even don't put swastikas in that, if I'm not mistaken maybe oh. they did really uh, that's such a dumb what time period are we talking about? i mean not time period but uh can't look at a thing it's like when did the vampires. It, when did that come out this last like, year not nazis in oh okay right. last year i mean the the, the, the there was this, there was one that was a couple of years back that was more tongue-in-cheek and just being playful but then last year the one that had some really cool socially relevant points to make uh that that was just i think last year yeah oh wow there's a book called That's... Wolf's Hour by that guy, Robert McCammon. He was like a Stephen King wannabe grocery store horror guy. And it's like a, about a werewolf spy. That he's, uh, there's a really cool sequence at a train on it. So read Wolf's Hour, Tom. Okay. Right. Well, you know, the, the whole uh, – and I, I don't know many of these movies. I know mainly about them because of uh, Quentin Tarantino reviving Grindhouse stuff. But there's a whole series of – like like cheap exploitation movies about Nazi experiments on people and uh, like do, Kelly Wan, do you know the movie Shockwaves with Peter Cushing? No. Uh. Uh-uh. So Shockwaves is it is terrible, but it's and and I got the feeling they made it just because they had a place in the Caribbean they could shoot that was really nice and they wanted to hang out there. Uh, <laughs> right. But it's about a shipwreck. These these people they're they're shipwrecks and they wash ashore on an island and it's a kind of an island of Dr. Moreau vibe where there's something weird going on but they don't quite know what and they're being hosted in a mansion by and I'm pretty sure it's Peter Cushing by a, a guy who is like yeah sure we'll we'll take care of you but then insidious things start happening and it turns out that he is a a Nazi who has fled 
uh, Germany, of course, so he won't be arrested and prosecuted. He's a Nazi war criminal, and he's set up a lab on this island where he's making zombies. And these are like underwater zombies that can walk around underwater. Kelly, how do you not know shockwaves? I don't know. Suck. Because that again, that was a whole genre: is Nazis doing terrible stuff in World War II, or even Nazi war criminals escaping somewhere and doing terrible stuff. Um, that's I not probably didn't know that's what it was about. Nazi fights a shark. What's that one? Mm. That's a zombie fighting a shark, Dingus. Oh, yeah. okay. and that's one of those Italian zombie movies that I don't care for. Yeah. Okay. It's zombie. <laughs> is it really? That makes sense. It's, it should be easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. Kind of gives away the ending yeah. of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not it's not shockwaves though. Shockwaves has nothing cool happens in shockwaves. The the premise is cool, but it's a lot. I watched it recently, thinking, oh, I bet this is awesome, and it's like grindhouse and it holds up. It's a bunch of people running around in the woods, and they got Peter Cushing for a couple of scenes, and otherwise there's some zombies in a swimming pool, and they're dressed up I think as Nazi zombies, and they're underwater in a swimming pool, and that's it. I feel like we gotta lose people running in woods, like in. Or- as I've said, the quality of a script is inversely proportionate to how much time people are walking through a dark house or dark woods. Yeah. Or just dark. Dark is like, fine, uh, but woods and houses. Horizon. Event Horizon is not more exciting than Blair Witch. Yeah, no, dark yeah. outer space. That's cool. And Blair Witch, by the way. Space. So, Kelly Wan, Blair Witch, I, Blair Witch is not a great script. Blair Witch is a great concept with some, some very mm. willing and able young actors executing it. Uh, but if you were to read a script of Blair Witch, there's very little there, because yeah. there is a lot of walking around in the woods. Yeah. So, but I love that movie. I love Blair Witch. I do too. But uh, so I, I do want to just again. say that Bruce Garrick, uh, one of his addend- he he did three emails, mm-hmm. and one of his his addendum email yeah. was that he feels better about it. He thinks it's winking, winkingly goofy. I kind of wish it had been more of that. Like, I would be curious, like, what examples? Because I'm, I'm with you, Dingus. I don't think it had any sense of humor. No, I don't think so either. But not fucking great. <laughs> uh, yeah, Garrick. I think it's wide-eyed, goofy, and doesn't even realize it. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that's a well uh, put. Yeah. I think I thought it was being ironic at the beginning because, like, oh, Italian guy, Jewish guy. This is gonna be. Uh, it's like a cartoon. Okay, I get it. Right, but then we have the redemption of the Italian guy, and the Jewish guy gets rescued, and... Uh, the kid gets saved. The kid is saved. Okay, let's talk about uh, Matilda Olivier. What's her name? Who... Uh, Olivier. I kept the... Who does she look like? Why? It was driving uh, me crazy. She's like a dead ringer for someone, and I couldn't figure out who it was. You guys Emily don't... Emily Blunt. Leah no. Sadu. Uh, Haley Oh, Leah Sadu is not a bad idea. Is well, I was name? thinking it was uh, Franca Potente, but it, it it's something more than that. Like Franca, like Run Lola Run, Franca, and uh, Born Identity, Franca Potente, but Sophie Marceau. I don't know who that is. Claire Foy. Oh, there's a little bit of that there. Anyway, I can't wait to see more of her. She was gorgeous. That's yeah. that that was some serious eye candy. What a beautiful young lady she was. She's super distracting. In fact, so I was glad she was uh, in this movie, distracting maybe... me from the fact that it was bad. Maybe Melanie Laurent, but I'm not sure. Uh, I might be just being accepted by the people who talked about Inglorious Bastards, Brian Becker and Chris Markinson. By the way, I mentioned this to you guys. I don't think we were recording, but uh, if you're a Mel- Melanie Laurent fan, she actually directed a movie called Galveston, which uh, I recommend. Oh, that's right. Galveston. Yeah. Galveston. I still can't get my brain around the idea of that. Well, it, it's uh, it, it it uses uh, Hurricane uh, Ira or 
but uh, some time ago there was a big old hurricane that hit Galveston, and that's a, a plot point or a device uh, in the movie. So there you go. Okay. Um, Brian Becker does say something a little bit serious where he's like uh, he's he's not sure that politically right now he can watch movies about zombies and not feel sour about it. Why? What's wrong with zombies? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Nazis. Oh, oh. Nazis. <laughs> zombies I, are always I, safe. Yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I keep switching the words Nazis and zombies in my head for some reason. Who can tell why? But he says that watching uh, a movie uh, like a, a, a horror movie about zomb- uh, Nazis, uh, he's just it's just too sour for him right now. Why? Because of America or because of uh... the alt right? Just because of the fact that the alt right is, yeah. is, is, uh, is a. You gotta just you know, come on. We, you gotta we what, Kelly? One, please, Kelly? One, yeah, please fix this for us because I think it's an anxiety we all over here on the states are experiencing. What yeah. do we gotta do? <laughs> yeah, you just gotta tune it out and not read news and like fall into the movie world. Right. Compartmentalize as much as. But possible. then, what do we do when some guy shoots up a church? Has nothing to do with the movie. Nothing. <laughs> but nothing it does to have do to do. It does have to do Kelly one with the alt right though, which is which I think is why yeah. folks like Brian Becker are uncomfortable. Is is this uh, th- this ideology which should by all by every metric of decency should have been soundly defeated in 1944. This ideology is taking root again, and it's it's becoming. The fact that it exists doesn't bother me. The fact that it is, um, in some circles, more politically palatable—that's what bothers me. Uh, yeah. And so on I can a wide un- scale. Yeah. Well, it, and not just in the U.S., just throughout throughout the world. Europe is struggling yeah. with it right now. We're not um, as evolved as you guys thought. That's right, all I got. Exactly. That's my conclusion. We're do you guys still... know what? Do you know what the movie uh, Twenty Two July is? No. What's the that? Paul Green yeah, it's thing. about the Paris attack. Uh, it wasn't Paris. It was a uh, Oslo, but uh, yeah, yeah. It was the guy Oslo, who. Right. Yeah. It was the guy who sh- shot up, and he was a he was a white supremacist uh, who shot up a bunch of kids at a at a political at a, at a camp at a summer camp basically oh. on a little island, and it, it was horrific. I mean, because he he had a lot of firepower, and he he murdered like eighty some odd children at this camp, and I say children. Like not not kindergarten, like these are young men and women, uh, and they couldn't get off this island. And he ran rampant on this island with assault rifles for some time, like a good half hour or so before the police could get there. And he had set off bombs in the in the capital around government areas to distract the police and rescue workers and the media, so that he could have time on this island to murder these children. And his whole ideology was uh, basically anti-immigration. Uh, and anti-immigration has its roots in uh, white supremacy and, and in racism. I feel, and certainly. But he could have been anything. No, no. he's crazy. Well, who did you say? Oh, oh, so Paul Greengrass did a movie called oh, Twenty-Two July, okay. which is the, the day that he did it. And what's remarkable about Twenty-Two July? I mean, the, the, it, it it shows the shooting, and as you can imagine from Paul Greengrass, it doesn't flinch away from it, uh, and it's, it's a horrific opening to the movie. But what the movie is about more, and uh, I feel this might be disappointing to some people who just want it as a as a cathartic experience or as some hard hitting visceral thing like United 93. What the movie is about more is almost a procedural about how a country should recover from that, oh. uh, and it's something that uh. I, I don't think in the United States we have 
fully come to terms with after uh, 9-11, after uh, the, well, the, the, shootings, the mass murders the that we experienced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mass and, it's and like I, every week, and nothing, and nothing happens. Nothing changes. Congress and I think, does nothing. And I think 22 July is Paul Greengrass's uh, condemnation of that. Is that look? Well, look, idiots. What do you mean by a procedural? It, it, this so is it's how about, the country gets over it. Yeah. So this guy did not uh, kill himself after the fact. He was arrested, uh, and he, of course, got a legal defense, and he wanted to speak in court, and he wanted to release his manifesto. He wanted to explain to the country why he did what he did to win people over. He. Uh, by all accounts, thought that other people would rise up and do the stuff that he was doing. Uh, and the country had to deal with, well, do we give this man a voice or not? Do we uh. let him defend himself publicly? Uh, how do we handle this legally? Should the survivors, can we use them to testify against him? Is that too much for them? Uh, what do we do to get past what this man did and to deal with the fact that uh, we need to – what do we do with his ideology? Uh, now that he's alive and he wants to continue expressing this ideology that made him do this terrible thing, how do we react? Uh, and yeah. they, uh, yeah. So that that's what the movie's about. I'm not sure. And Europe's more thoughtful about that stuff than America. Well, Europe, Europe also, yeah. Like like Europe, I love Europe has uh, they're they're super careful too. Like in in very Scandinavian countries, they have made media literacy a part of their education. Right. Because right. they're looking at what's happening here with with things like like Fox News, oh, uh, social yeah. media, and, and, and the root of the problem and what happened in the 2016 is it was a failure of media literacy in the United States public. Uh, you know, yeah. when, when you read something, is it true? How do you know what to believe? Mm. Uh, and that's something that Scandinavian countries, and part of this is in the wake of July 22, where Anders Brevin was d driven by this ideology and he wanted to continue to express it. If that ideology is going to be out there, and it is, how do you make sure that people aren't swayed by it, by lies, mm. by things that aren't true? Well, I mean, when you talk about media literacy, which is a fascinating topic that uh, I didn't think about until you said that in, in this particular – in some Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries, sorry – um, they're actually teaching this mm -hmm. is um, what is media and what is not and how do we how do we determine what is like is Facebook media <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I mean it is apparently I mean, it's, it's new media so, based on what I've for. read yeah yeah and I'm glad I'm not on it I'm glad I dodged that so that's the thing is you have to know the difference between Fox News and Facebook and the Washington Post and Infowars right. which involves and, intelligence I think. Like it, involves, I don't, it involves critical thinking, Kelly Wand. It involves right. – and, and I used to think that stuff like people believing in UFOs and Elvis being alive and Bigfoot, I used to think that stuff was really, was really cute and funny. And I think that that stuff is a, a symptom. That's as bad as it got then. Well, no, I think those are the kind of people that then end up listening to Alex Jones on Infowars. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's a first step that because that's a failure of media literacy. People who think that the, right. earth, the earth is flat or that UFOs are visiting us and abducting us, that's a failure of media liter literacy. That's something that someone was told on Facebook or heard from someone else or read in some Whitley Stryber book and didn't know that it was fiction. But if people uh, were smarter, they wouldn't have that problem. Exactly. Well, if people had but exactly more capacity for critical thinking, the, yeah. you have some. Yeah. You have people being educated in media literacy. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and that's how's that going to happen? They're going to well, choose because well, they vote I against their own interests. With my kid personally, I mean, I have to sit down and teach him because he wanted to 
get on Instagram or whatever. And uh, all right, well, this is how this works, and this is how this is going to work with us, and this is how you get literate in this particular thing. Uh, These are the risks. And, <laughs> but not all parents are going like to do drugs. that. So, uh, well, and yeah, as with as with sex education, um, schools have to handle some of that thing. Uh, is the is the movie? Uh, what did you say it was? 20... 22 July, because they do their dates really weird in Europe. <laughs> they, um, first. Yeah. Is it a, beyond what the political message is, is it a good movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's the thing is, it's just not a uh, it, it's not a visceral gut punch like United 93. I mean, it opens with that, but it becomes um, it, it has a very different agenda. United 93 was just this sort of cathartic let's let's remember this experience and honor these about people even as painful as it is yeah this is specifically not about the incident it's about the recovery from the incident and how norway as a country handled it uh and how that should be a model for these things going forward which because they will continue to happen um right it sounds and get worse yeah the sounds fires. a little like the way boy a deals with things kind of like how yeah i mean well boy because that's the yeah it's like if, if somebody's murdered a child you know can he be real rehabilitated or forgiven i mean partly yeah it's because boy a you know that's that's an interesting comparison dingus absolutely there's something there yeah just about how like can you be rehabilitated and and how do we emerge from that and you know i, I was talking about voting earlier tonight and we were talking about like, well, should criminals be allowed the right to vote? Well, they if they, you know, they they've paid their debt, then yes, of course. Uh, but it's it's just this like this emerging idea of rehabilitation is really interesting as far as what you're talking about. Yeah. So at, at any rate, Kelly Wan, that's why I think some folks are uneasy about watching movies about Nazis. Uh, and and well, I because I, they they're also, Nazis. I mean they're they're very very convenient villains <laughs> like in video games. Sure. It's super easy to shoot a million Nazis and if you're gonna yeah. have a movie with mad scientists raising zombies and it's a it's existential threat to the world, yeah, make them Nazis. And even uh, Germany doesn't mind it. They're like, yeah, fucking Nazis, perfect villains. Like they're right. their villains even. Well, well yeah. of course, yeah. I mean, in a way, they should. It's an even more convenient villain for, for them, right? Right. Yeah. When I play Battlefield Five and it plays the Germans, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm not thinking of war crimes or anything. I just, I think of like, oh, this is what I got to do in this. Well, there's, right. There's also the sense that there are, it, you can also divorce, divorce the armed forces from the ideology. And right. that, that was, you know, yeah. you're, I doubt you're the ever playing... Piece. And I doubt you're ever playing an SS soldier, for instance. Exactly. Because those were the, the, the those were the Nazis. This is the political wing of the military, and uh, but but the, the regular military, the, the regular German soldier wasn't necessarily a Nazi. Uh, no, yeah. And I, I think that's what happens in video games where you can play as Germany. So. Uh, yeah, Kelly, what's your uh, what's your frag to death ratio in Battlefield Five? How's that coming along? I just unlocked the shotgun, so it's about to go up. <laughs> right, really congratulations. You can't spot them anymore. You don't aim at the Doritos. It's harder to see. All right, so uh, what movie should we see next week? Dingus. Dingus's words. Uh, could you ask that question again? 
All right, Dave, what if listeners want to participate in next week's 3x3 podcast? What will it be about, and how can they participate? All right, so next week's 3x3 is repeated lines in the same movie, a repeated Uh line in the same movie. Uh, It doesn't have to be by the same character. Um, There'll be a little bit of flexibility as far as some of the wording is concerned, but Basically, we're talking about the repeated line in the same movie, and the way you contribute to this is by uh, writing into 3x3 at quarter to three dot com, and uh, as long as you do it by um, late or so, uh, midnight November twenty fifth. Thank you. Can we get it by then? That's what I'm no. Twenty fifth is Monday. Oh yeah. Okay, you're right. So yeah. just send it in by Sunday. Uh, but uh, but three x three at quarter to three to come. Kelly Wand, were there any repeated lines in Overlord? I'm trying to think. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> there was some. I think I'm gonna win this one. <laughs> oh, that Kelly Wand, that's one of my picks. Quit ruining it. Save it for the next oh, week. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Merlinski. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. Due to the rating, I assume there would be substantial nudity. Uh, is there any way to reverse the circumcision? Netflix thinks that because I watched Friday the 13th, I might like Friday the 13th too? I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Hey, Dingus, I had a cool idea for maids. Edible dust. I I wanted to thank you for helping me become the man I am. Oh, from there. Brrr. Where are we starting? I like In parts. Ah, oh, remember the mouse? <laughs> Is that your name for it?